0: Here's your host, Hey Gregory Luna.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Gregory, and welcome back to another episode of Holistic Health News. I hope you are doing well today. We have a special treat in this autumnal day. I will be interviewing somebody who has lost a lot of weight of recent past. And honestly, we haven't done an interview in some time. I believe the last interview I've done was with Scott Kelly, the chiropractor, and that might have been thirty episodes back. So it's great to have an episode of somebody who's lost weight. So we're going to talk to her and ask her how she lost her weight and how she continues to keep it off. And so it's similar it's gonna be similar to an episode of Confessions of an Obese Child, but we're not really gonna focus as much on the past. We're gonna focus on What she's doing now to maintain her fitness perhaps a great compendium episode would be the interview we did with Edmund Curran which is probably around episode 80 staying fit over the age of 50 Edmund wins marathons and half marathons that he does on the local level and he's in phenomenal shape so this would be a great compendium to the episode we're going to do right now so let's get to the interview Okay, we are here today with Terry. Terry, how are you doing?
2: I'm um, okay. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you for being interviewed. I appreciate it. So, let's start with your childhood. Where were you born?
2: Um, I was born in Del Rio, Texas, on the border.
1: Okay. And Okay, would you like to delve into any of your interfamilial dynamics uh, when you were a younger child? Anything that you think might have made you more predisposed to gaining weight when you were older
2: um i don't know i had a pretty normal childhood i had a mom and dad at home i have a younger brother we we didn't you know we didn't have a fancy life or anything but we we were never um i don't know what's the word we weren't we were never struggling for for meals or anything like that um, but the one thing I can think of is I would get in trouble if I didn't finish my plate. And um, food was love. Sure. So if my mom cooked for me, then it was an insult. Right. If I didn't you finish.
1: have to eat up the whole plate because your mom worked so hard on this meal. And if you didn't eat mm-hmm. it all, you get the guilt and the shame.
2: If my grandma cooked for me, then I needed to eat it all. It didn't matter how squishy the calabacita was. It didn't matter how weird-smelling the the tripas were like it didn't matter no, <laughs> I needed to tripas. yeah I needed to I needed to eat everything
1: was she a good cook overall oh yeah she was a good cook yeah okay, yeah so my whole
2: family is is uh you know full of good cooks
1: well that's good because so. if she was a horrible cook that would have been much more yeah it would have been much more bad <laughs> much more
2: difficult. okay so
1: at what age did you start gaining weight
2: not until a lot later um not until Pretty recently, actually, maybe five or six years ago.
1: Okay, so normal college years, uh, nothing traumatic, nothing that would make you predisposed to gaining weight. Nothing. No. Of incident.
2: Well, I was always really, really active. <clears throat> I'm sorry. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't have the best eating habits, mm-hmm. but I didn't really, I wasn't really conscious of it because I was always. Um, I was always working out many, 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 many hours a week.
1: And that's something you've been doing since high school or was that something you developed in your twenties?
2: No, I I mean, since I've been a little kid, I've been studying dance pretty seriously and I I never got particularly good at it, but I was always, um, I don't know. I was always real serious about studying it. So since I was a little tiny kid, I was in the studio, I don't know, maybe, maybe like three hours a week as a little bitty kid like a three-year-old or four-year-old and and ever since then you know it would go up to 10 hours a week as a teenager maybe 15 hours a week then i mean even now um you know i'll spend maybe 20 hours a week if not if not dancing then working out in the gym
1: so you used to love to dance. That was your kind of your, your MO for exercise back when you were. Yeah. In so you would do two, three hours a day and that was pretty normal. Yeah. Okay. And what kind of dance do you do?
2: I studied ballet when I was a kid and everything that goes with ballet class when you're a kid. I did um, I thought that I was real good at tap and I studied I took classes in jazz and modern and lyrical and I don't know, whatever classes there were as a kid, I took them. Okay, so and you're then, a
1: pretty accomplished dancer compared to the typical person.
2: Um, I don't know. I guess compared to the person who hasn't studied that stuff, maybe. But um,
1: like, if you were to go to a, like a swing bar or a salsa place or salsa bar, you would probably be pretty good compared. Yeah, to
2: that. I would. I would be able to keep up.
1: That sounds modest. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Well, let's
1: get to older. So, what do you think made you start gaining weight, At what age was it?
2: Um, is in 2014. It was when my mom died. Okay
1: well, I then. just
2: got you know I, it was a um, uh, result of grief, I guess a response to grief i just I stopped caring about what I was eating and I stopped being meticulous about um, I stopped going to dance class, and all I was doing was um, you know working with uh, working with my own groups that I was teaching, and when you're teaching. Um, I do end up working out a lot with my students, but I'm not supposed to so I'm not supposed to be it's it's not ideal um, To be in front of them dancing all the time because then they get accustomed to watching you they get they get dependent on watching you and and The the hope is that that they learn to do everything by themselves Um, So I started I started really really falling into that pattern after my mom died and I would demonstrate something and then I would ask them to repeat over and over and over again, and, and I really wouldn't do anymore. And I, I would fall back on that excuse that um, that I needed to make them less dependent on me
1: mm-hmm.
2: so that they wouldn't be following. But it, but it also had the result of me not working out much at all, even when I did spend two or three hours in the studio.
1: And you knew you were depressed at the time or in retrospect? Oh, yeah. You said yeah. you knew at the time. Yeah. And you knew at the time you were increasing your eating. Yeah. But you were just like, I'm depressed. I don't care if I gain weight. I mean, was, I mean, was there any, like, negativistic thinking or self-destructive kind of It kind thinking? of
2: takes me a lot of effort to be meticulous about what I'm eating. So I, I just didn't have the energy to care. And, and it was easier to go get fast food for almost every single meal mm-hmm. than it was to plan ahead and shop and cook and clean up. And I was just... I'm just being lazy about making decisions about what to eat.
1: It's understandable. I, what, I lost my weight. I mean, it's been 28 years, and I've, I've kept it off for all that time. But there were two times where I did gain weight, and one of them was when my father died, and this must have been like 10 years ago. I probably gained 20 of the pounds. And, yeah, you go through a depression, mm-hmm. especially if you've never lost somebody close or if it's the second parent because then you realize you're next you're the next in the generation mm-hmm. the next generation to die so I, c- I can definitely sympathize with what you're going through so how much weight do you think you gained during that time or what was your apex and how long did it take to get you there
2: i i got to a point where i wouldn't even weigh myself would the you? last time i weighed myself i was 189 pounds and I, I i would not be surprised if i broke 200 and how tall are you i'm 5 7
1: seven. So you are lucky to be tall. That does help.
2: I'm tall for a Mexican. But you
1: <laughs> I'm tall for a Mexican yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, so you think you maybe gained sixty, seventy? I mean, what, what's your estimation? No,
2: about fifty pounds. Fifty pounds mm-hmm. at
1: your apex. Okay. Did you? Were you? Were you married, or did were you dating at the time? Did you notice the the looks from the opposite sex changing at all when you were gaining weight?
2: Oh yeah yeah i i, I was I had been with the same guy for a long time um but i I wasn't getting any looks from anybody
1: did he say anything to you no, he knew better well did he say anything like indirectly like uh you know honey maybe you sh- we shouldn't eat dessert this time or uh, was he not complimenting you as much or coming on to you as much i mean were there like non verbal cues he
2: He wasn't big on complimenting me or coming on to me at all, but he would um
1: even before the weight gain. Oh yeah, even okay. before
2: that. But but he he would much more frequently ask if I wanted to go to the gym with him. Yeah,
1: yeah. The guys will do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How about? Are you sure, you don't want to
2: go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had a we had a membership together, um, at the gym, and he would go all the time. He would mm-hmm. go almost every day. Yeah. And um, I was always saying that I would go, and oh, it would be such a great thing if I got into a routine too
1: but then you never got into a routine and you wouldn't really go with him.
2: No, I hated going to the gym. Mm-hmm. I hate standing in the same place and lifting the same thing over and over for no reason. And I hate mm-hmm. running and running and running and running and getting nowhere. And I just get tired. <laughs> and, and then there's all those people. You, when you go to the gym, you're surrounded by all of these gorgeous people who know what they're doing. And, and I was, I'd look like a stuffed sausage and that stupid workout gear. And then all these other people around me are, I don't know, there's just mirrors all over the place, and there's beautiful people all over the place, and then I was 50 pounds heavier than I wanted to be, and I didn't want to look at any mirrors, and I didn't want to be sweating in the middle of all of these gorgeous people. They show up with their hair blown out and in full makeup.
1: Yeah, but a lot of those women aren't there to work out; they're there to to get the adulation and attention of other
2: men. They're they're serious about working out. Pickup men. I mean, if I if I looked like that, if they wearing- I'd be I'd be using it to the full extent too, but but they like, I, can, I could see what they were doing. They were serious about working out. They knew what they were doing.
1: My experience, there's like two types of women who go to the gym. There's the one that wear all the nice makeup and they get on the Stairmaster on level two and they go really slowly and they're not working out. They just want to be seen. And then there are the women who are like running seven, eight miles an hour on the treadmill and they just don't give a damn how they look. And you can tell those are the diehards. But uh, there's a
2: th- no, there's a third type okay because there's the type that is really, really conscious about how they look mm-hmm. and that's why they work out
1: and they're working out hard,
2: yeah, okay, but so they, they want to be looked at but they want to be looked at and yeah. they work out because they like to be looked at, and it's, so when they go work out, it's because they're they're investing in in their physical fitness, and it's also because they want to be seen because. Why else would you show up to the gym in full makeup and cute outfit?
1: It's an interesting dynamic when you go to the gym because the men, of course, are all lifting weights or grunting, you know.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's really uncomfortable, Uh. too. They leave their stinky sweat all over the place. And then they go and stand behind you when you need to do squats. Or they go and stand behind you when you need to do the, I don't know what anything is called, bending over the thing and lifting up the thing with it. I don't know what anything is called. But they go and stand behind you for no reason. Or they follow you around the gym. And they pretend like they have some business talking to you, and or they show up and start giving you unsolicited advice, well, or they start asking you questions, or and it and it's just it's very uncomfortable to be around all these people that are clearly clearly much stronger than me, and
1: you could look at it from a flattering point of view that I mean, they're into you, and that's why they're coming on to you. They're not coming on to sixty-five-year-old Hilda.
2: And I mean it. That's it, a flattering it would It would be flattering if they were doing something flattering. But th- they do things that are creepy.
1: Okay, I think that's, I think, I, I'm not a woman so I can't understand fully, but I think it's a little disingenuous. If it's a guy that you find attractive and he's coming on to you or asking you questions or do you need help, I think most women don't have a problem with that. But if it's a guy that... Is that you don't you're not into you're not you don't find attractive then that 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 kind of attention's unsolicited and then you find it creepy. But if it was like it's, Brad Pitt from 1998 coming on to you, I don't think you'd have a problem with it.
2: It's a problem when you make it clear that you don't want attention, mm-hmm. and they continue. You're they, telling they don't, them explicitly, yeah. or you're just giving
1: off body. No, knowledge? when you're you tell them explicitly, they, yeah,
2: that's creepy. I'm just here to work out. I'm not here to. I'm not here to make friends or when they start giving you advice and you say no thanks and then they keep following you and they keep bugging you and they keep asking you and you when you don't want attention and they don't listen to your your I don't know the boundary that you're trying to set or they don't listen to what you're actually telling them then it becomes creepy and it becomes scary because when I walk outside in the dark after I'm done at the gym I don't know sure you don't help
1: with your keys to get into your car no,
2: it's not, it's not cute. It's not nice because there's, there's nobody there yeah. outside in the dark to watch what they're doing and to, to, to check them if they do do something sure. ugly Sure. and it's not the same issue for a man that's there working out because I don't know. They don't seem to be as in danger of being overpowered by other men. Yeah. There
1: was a story that somebody told me. It's like the closest you can understand what a woman goes through when she goes somewhere in public is if a if a, a regular guy went to a gay bar that was frequented by 350-pound offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. And you walk into that place and they're all leering at you and checking you out. That's clo- the closest maybe a guy can get to because we can't really understand. But So going back to the gym. So you... You knew you were overweight. Your 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 boyfriend at the time was wanting you to go, and you knew you needed to lose the weight. Mm-hmm. But you you kept eating poorly because you were just depressed and dealing with issues. Yeah, I was yeah. just
2: lazy about that. Yeah. Were
1: you worried that he was going to break up with you if you gained too much
2: weight? No. Nah. I figured he would cheat, but
1: he wouldn't break up with you, but he would cheat. Yeah. Well, why wouldn't he break up with you then? That's his M O. That's his M O. Yeah. Okay. Are you still with this guy? No. Okay all right so what what changed so what Um, happened
2: i i needed to get out of my funk my depression had lasted years after i had lost my mom and i needed to get out of my funk so i went to see um i went to see a therapist and um i was complaining to the therapist i gotta fix my life and this is wrong with my life and the other thing is wrong with my life and i was just making this list and complaining and complaining and and she didn't have any sympathy for me. She just kept this, this completely straight look on her face. And she let me finish all of my complaining. And then she asked me, well, what are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do and about I, it? I said, I came here. <laughs> you
1: you're came, supposed to tell me. <laughs> you're supposed you're to fix supposed me. you supposed to be the Oracle of Delphi.
2: So, well, but in, in, in it all tough love,
1: right? She's like, what do you want me to do? You're whining. What, what actions are you going to put into place to fix it? Is that what she was I, telling you? I
2: think... Um, she wanted to snap me out of this yeah I guess it was tough love she wanted to snap me out of this um complaining and get me into um, a mindset of action of doing something about it and so she asked me what are you gonna do and I said well I came here because I don't know what to do Can you help me figure out what to do and so we did we we, she started talking me through uh, all of the different things that I had listed and uh, one of the things that she talked me through was my health and my, um, my body. And so she referred me to a doctor that she had had good experience with and I went to see that doctor. That doctor did extensive tests, checked hormone levels on thyroid levels and one of the things I was complaining about was that I was always tired and I was dizzy tired. I was scared to drive because I was so tired. I was so dizzy all the time. And she said, well, it might be a medical thing Um, so you should go to a medical doctor (laughs) and and i went to the doctor that she recommended and she was very thorough and she did do lots and lots of testing and um she told me i was diabetic and that my um and there's good cholesterol and bad cholesterol and they were both bad they were both too high Uh, and she checked my blood pressure that was high never in my life have i ever had high blood pressure you
1: weren't going to the doctor a lot during this post no i never go to the doctor depression Mm-mm. So you had no idea where you were Mm-mm. medically aside from the fact you knew you gained a lot of weight, right? So the diabetes diagnosis wasn't probably that, that was big shocking.
2: Of a well, it it was it was shocking because I'm used to seeing myself as a as an active, healthy person because my whole life I had always been active. Yeah. So I had never had I, when I would go to the doctor and get tested for blood pressure. It was always too low, if anything. Mm-hmm. And so I would flatter myself, like, oh, I didn't pass this test. I aced it, you know. <laughs> um, I, never had, I never had tested high for cholesterol. I just never had any issues.
1: Okay, so you were diagnosed as diabetic. Did he recommend that you be put on metformin, or did he say radically change your diet and lifestyle and that we can get rid of this type 2 diabetes?
2: The doctor was a woman, but she said, I, I told her that I didn't want to be on medication. That's good. And she said, you need to drop weight then.
1: You're totally in line with Holistic Health News and naturopathic growth, because we always say drugs should be your last alternative, not
2: your first. Yeah, I think so too. But I have, um, I have a family history of a lot of diabetes in both sides of my family. And there's a, there are a lot of overweight people in both sure. sides of my family. Yeah. Um, so I had seen how members of my family suffer. Um, and I still think of myself as young. I'm not. But I, I still see myself because I'm, I'm younger than those members of my family. And so I still see myself as young. And when I was running into what I feel like are old people problems, I, I just thought, no, this can't be. This can't I'm happen. Old? Exactly. That's what was in my head. Well,
1: do you want to give like a roundabout age? What I'm you pushing want? 40. You're pushing 40. Mm-hmm. So that is young. For sure that's young. Mm-hmm. So, how long ago was this diagnosis in the apex of this of this weight? Maybe
2: about a year ago. A year ago. Uh, more than a year ago. More last than a year ago. last summer. So it's we're getting into fall now. So maybe last last fifteen months. June, July. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So at that point, you made some resolution that I am going to lose this weight, or did you just start changing your habits and you started losing a little weight and you're like, oh, I lost five pounds. No. And you had a little momentum, or did you like, I am going to lose this way by this day.
2: Like- no, I went and got all kinds of hell because I, I can't, you don't have success doing all of this stuff by myself. I've, I've tried. There are apps that, that will give you these elaborate workout plans and they'll give you very, very detailed nutritional plans and, and I tried them but it's too complicated and I don't have the discipline to follow all of those details.
1: So what did you get, did you get a trainer? I went
2: and and found a trainer. At your gym? No, uh, she was recommended, she was recommended by a few friends actually. So it kind of, it felt like synchronicity. I had, her name had come up on, on several different unrelated occasions. So when I went and spoke to her, she just, she made a lot of sense and she understood what I needed. And when I tried working out with her, I didn't feel like I was gonna die at the end of the workout.
1: Well, that's what you see in CrossFit. So CrossFit's gotten really popular the last ten years because it, it, there is the kind of the community mentality of it. Like we're all in it together. We all start at this point. Now we're all going to achieve this point. And then high intensity interval training is just you know very popular. Kind of like shock the body, move the body. And so you you will see trainers are just kind of in that that kind of CrossFit. But she wasn't like that. She was well. What what kind of exercise regimen did she incorporate?
2: I don't know. She's good at that stuff. I don't know that stuff. I but, had tried. What
1: were you doing a lot once, once you started with her? What was she making you do?
2: She was, she was having me do, I guess, the combination of, of weight training and cardio. It wasn't yeah. anything trendy. It wasn't anything fancy. I had tried to do hit training on my own because it was supposed to be, um, supposed to be quick, efficient. Yeah. So your workout was supposed to take 20, 30 minutes, and you're supposed to be done. But I hate it. I hate it so much. I hate the stupid high intensity. I can't make myself do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then the whole CrossFit thing, no, I don't care about the community. I'll hate them too. If, if I have to put myself through that much pain. and. Mm, mm, mm. See, everyone was different because I
1: had mentioned in the, in the promo that I had interviewed Edmund Curran in, in, about a year ago. And, you know, he's 55 and he wins marathons at his age or half marathons. And he runs with a group, but I've always been ever since I lost my way back in 1991. I've always been a solitary exerciser. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll run alone with music. I'll lift alone. I'm just. I like to be alone. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I don't know. And I've never been in a group exercise. But I don't know if that if I would like it. But I. I certainly understand why there's more success. When you are in a group or you do have a trainer because there's accountability.
2: The accountability is something that I learned that I need. But I cannot stand the sunshine up the wazoo people. I can't stand it. Like, what do you mean? You can do it. You're great. You're going to yeah. do it. Is Pick you up mean? your feet, lift, and smile when you sweat. <laughs> and it, no. Uh-uh. No. I'm not so going to smile. You don't like to work out in
1: general. Unless, no. Unless it's dancing.
2: If, there, if there's no music involved, if there's no art involved, if there's no challenge involved... Aesthetically, if there's no, if there's no technique I'm trying to perfect, if there's no, it, it feels pointless to me. Like I said, to stand in the same place and lift the same thing over and over and over and over again just to make myself or hurt. Run in I hate it. I hate it. At a la- at yeah, some
1: track. Yeah, that's what I would do. Just run in circles. Yeah, there an ananity to it. Just going in circles.
2: But this trainer would kind of put it in terms of challenging myself. Yeah, and she would be, she would be very specific about why I was doing a certain movement a certain way. And that's something that I can relate to. That's something that was really similar to to ballet class, for example. Everything needs to be, at first at least, it needs to be very, very, very particular and very exact. And then once you master it, then you can add detail and add your own personality, But, but before that, it needs to be done correctly. No exceptions at all.
1: So when you were working out with her, it was not something you would look forward to every day. Aside from the, uh, to no. the point where you were getting results, no. were just like, I, I work hate out. working out.
2: So anyway, but was. she was not my friend, hmm. so it doesn't matter if I hate her. And she w- she would tell me that she would tell me the same thing when I was with her. You, you can cuss at me if you need to. You can hate it if you want to. Because it's a but business
1: transaction. You're paying her, for, and she's giving you services well, rendered.
2: The thing is that, sh- that she knows it's painful, and she knows it's hard and so she doesn't take it personal and she doesn't need me to be her friend she needs me to she needs me to do what I'm there to do and so she's there to provide that accountability and and to provide um the expertise too because like I said I was going through all these apps for for exercise and nutrition and oh my god is there this crazy amount of information out there. Yeah. And it and so much of it is conflicting. Yeah. And then so much of it is so specific to men, and I don't realize it until I'm already halfway through it, and I'm making myself purple in the face, and not, you know, just, just getting injured and not really getting any results. um, And so I, I just feel like giving up again. I feel hopeless because I don't know what to do. So if I can put that on somebody else, if I can go to her, as she knows what to do. I don't have to figure it out. Mm. Um, and, and she knows all the particulars of why I'm getting injured and how to keep me from getting injured. And she's there to watch me and make sure that I don't die at the end of the workout. I, I really didn't feel, I didn't feel like I was going to die at the end of a very, very hard workout. So I felt she, good.
1: She would be with you every time you... You would meet at the gym. She would, she would watch you. And I didn't have you. a
2: lot of money to spend on a trainer. And that's one of the things that she was really understanding about. And so she would see me maybe once or twice a month. And then she would give me uh, a plan to follow. Okay. And so she would tell me, when you have been to the gym, I want to see the picture of the end of your cardio workout on the treadmill or on the stairs. Send me the picture as soon as you finish. Or send me the list of of sets and reps you did, how much weight you did this time, send me the completed list, like the moment you finish, send it. So the accountability was a huge factor for me in in actually being successful this time.
1: But she was hands-off, so you could have essentially taken a picture of somebody else's treadmill or elliptical afterwards and said, this have, is mine, this is mine, I did it. I could I have, have the trainer.
2: found ways to fake it, but the fact that I, I'm, I'm just, I'm such a little brown noser student that as soon as I would send it and as soon as she would, she would reply, Oh, great job. You actually did better than last time. Yes. I was, I was giving myself myself little gold stars. (laughs) I really was that I ate it up. That worked for me.
1: So how long did it take you to lose the weight? We'll talk about your diet in a second, but how long did it take you? And how much weight did you lose?
2: I lost 45 pounds how
1: long uh
2: july august september october november maybe five or six months it's pretty quick okay, so, and you've kept it off Ish. it it and it fluctuates but but not any more than normal
1: okay so diet and exercise is she, what kind of plan she put you on did she do did you did you like a low-carb keto? Or did you do a fasting? I, Was it just whole foods kind of? I don't know. Don't, she, if God didn't make it, don't eat it kind of?
2: She, it didn't have a name. It it wasn't a trend. It wasn't keto or paleo but or don't eat any carbs. It wasn't.
1: Were you weighing your food? Like that's what we had to do back in the 80s. Like Weight watches would have these scales. You have to weigh every chicken breast and it can only be four ounces and you weren't weighing stuff i
2: wasn't <laughs> weighing stuff i wouldn't have made it but she would she she did get specific of how much vegetables to eat okay she would get specific what about, she that. Say about that I, it had to be lots and lots and lots i don't yeah. remember it. the servings were you know cups and cups of spinach and bell peppers and who knows what else i don't know but she would get really specific about the amount of vegetables and i i think what she was doing is trying to get me to fill up on that. Mm-hmm. And then she would say, and then you can have some, some chicken, and then you can have some. And I was also supposed to be eating five times a day. really, And that was not normal for me. Mm. I I was used to, I would normally forget to eat breakfast because I'm always running late and then run to work and then sometimes forget to eat lunch too. And then leave work really late because I always take too long to do everything. and I'm always drowning in work and get something horrible from a fast food spot on the way home because I'm starving and then binge like crazy and then go to bed feeling gross and not really that hungry in the morning, still feeling kind of gross and and repeat the whole thing over again. So when I told her how it would heat, how I was used to eating, she gave me this regiment of no you're not going to do that anymore you're going to eat five small meals a day
1: interesting yeah because i mean when i lost my weight i was not fasting i wasn't compressing my eating window and i still lost the weight but in general i think most people are saying we should we should fast fasting is a really easy good biohack because when the body runs out of glucose once the liver has been depleted it's going to turn to your fat reserves to 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 lot of it's just epigenetics like some people can handle a low-carb keto diet and some people they start vomiting immediately some people can fast and only eat six hours a day and other people it doesn't work for them so i mean we're all different so it's interesting that she didn't really put any prohibitions on anything. Did she say no sodas, no refined sugars, oh. no processed food? Or was it all just yeah. eat a lot of vegetables and then eat whatever you want?
2: She she focused a lot more on eat a lot of vegetables. But she, she even told me don't eat sugary fruit. Mm-hmm. And she said don't drink alcohol at all. Yeah, What else was I not supposed to have? It's empty calories. Right. I mean, most
1: beverages are empty calories. I mean, sodas for sure have, have absolutely no nutritional value at all. Right. So.
2: And I'm not big into alcohol at all. So she, she was just really, really harping on that. And you can't drink and you can't drink. Don't even think you can drink red wine instead of white wine. And I just said, okay.
1: Did she give you a list of, of low sugar fruits or did she tell you just to look it up? Or I'm
2: Trying to remember exactly what it was that was prohibited.
1: Bananas, grapes, raisins.
2: I I was supposed to stay away from all of those dried fruits, mm-hmm. so like raisins right. and craisins and I don't know the dried dates and things. It, it really like dry is. Pecan, it's dry just bananas. pretty much candy. Yeah. Um. Oh, she told me I couldn't have beans. Really? Yes.
1: Did she give you a reason? Why? I'm
2: Mexican. I couldn't handle it. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I couldn't understand how I was supposed to live, but I made it. She said I couldn't have... That one I remember. That one was prohibited. I couldn't have beans. The rest of the things, I I can't even remember what was prohibited because it wasn't that big a deal.
1: So she seemed pretty laid back on the dietary stuff. She wasn't too draconian and like, it can't be this or you have to eat this. It's got to be at this time. And she was pretty laid back on the exercise regimen. She wasn't super vigilant. You barely would see her on a given month. So she seemed to have a pretty she, kind of she back, was vigilant mm-hmm. but she was vigilant
2: from a distance mm-hmm. so whenever I did work out I was supposed to send her screenshots of my the I don't know what it's called the little display on whatever cardio machine mm-hmm. and I was supposed to send her um, lists of what I had done yeah so so she was she was able to be to keep me accountable very very regularly without actually being in the same room with me
1: mm-hmm. okay and so you lost the weight about 9 months ago, you think? it's mm-hmm. been. And do you, did you feel attention from the opposite sex changing from when yeah. you were at your apex to what you are now? Yeah. Do you want to elaborate on that? Uh, like at the gym or just in general, were everywhere. you getting more guys hitting on you?
2: I don't know. At, at my age, men don't really hit on me.
1: <laughs> at your old age of upper 30s, it's not like yeah. you're 69 or something like that.
2: No, but it's a big difference. It is to um I used to walk into a room and just feel eyes on me yeah. just to the point where it was uncomfortable as a young teenager mm-hmm. this stuff would happen grown crusty men would just glare and all aw- it was it was weird mm-hmm. and and that continued to happen i don't know all the way through college a few years after college and then it just kind of tapered off I guess that happens um, but it it definitely did not have any eyes on me. Mm-hmm.
1: And did you at miss? My close did you to miss the pounds? leering and the ogling that you no. used to have? Mm-hmm. No, you didn't miss it. No, at all.
2: It's so, very uncomfortable. It's weird. Okay, but did
1: you did you miss the attention that you were getting? Like not like sixteen five year old men yeah. looking at you, but just the, the just the attention of the opposite sex on you when you gained the weight. You didn't miss that at all.
2: I no. Mm. I don't. Uh, anonymous attention from the opposite sex is not fun for me
1: okay so but but now you notice it coming back yeah it's so a not part of you isn't like yeah I've lost my way now I'm seen attractive again
2: it's it's kind of shady because even even at work people treat me better if I'm less ugly they treat me better so, that, that makes you mad it's not. It's not that it makes me mad. It. It's. I notice it, and it. It makes me. I don't know. Thoughtful, pensive. It. It's. It's interesting to think about. Well, I think there's an
1: inordinate amount of pressure on women to have to maintain their looks more so than men, because the sexual market value of women is based largely on youth, beauty, fertility, mm-hmm. but the sexual market value of men is mostly based on. Status, money that you can make, and so forth. So, I mm-hmm. think there's different pressures that are that are put on the on the sexes. So, um, yeah, it, it's tough. It, it's not surprising you're going to get more attention after you lost the weight because mm-hmm. men are attracted to women who are regular shaped. Now, there's a lot of women who aren't going to like hearing that, especially if they adhere to the kind of body positive movement. Mm-hmm. But I have previous episodes where I talk about how actually the body positive movement is a, it does a grave dis- injustice to people because. Being overweight shortens your life expectancy in, in mm. innumerable ways. So when when we're telling morbidly overweight men and women that it's okay to be overweight, um, it's, it's like telling a heroin addict it's okay to be a heroin addict. It's not. So we really want to encourage the weight loss. So I think it's difficult for women in that, I don't know, I think it's precarious balance, and you, you can correct me on this. I think to a certain extent most women went Attention from the opposite sex, because it kind of makes them understand that I am attractive. And I think women—I think women more so than men—view their value based on how they look more than men. Men, we get our value by how we're providing, what mm. value we're we giving to society, the economy, or whatever. Uh, so, but with women, I think it's like you—you you like the attention because it makes you feel attractive. And then when you lose that, when you gain the weight, you essentially become invisible. And I think. Most women don't like losing that, especially if they have a history of always being attractive or beautiful. So it's tough it's for them it. to go invisible. And now you went invisible, but now you're back. And now It's you're a complex attention.
2: thing to think about because part, a big part of my identity is in being feminine. Yeah. And a big part of my identity is, I don't know, almost how much value do I have from that femininity yeah. and I know that men see themselves as providers and they see women as fertile or not fertile that there are a lot of women who are providers sure it's a big 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 proportion that doesn't get acknowledged um, and it's a problem that women are not valued for their merit. But in some sense, men aren't valued for their merit either. And, and I'm, I'm interested that you brought up this body positive movement because I, I don't think that it's a good thing to promote obesity. But I don't know that that's what the body positive movement is generally doing. I feel like the, the body positive movement... For obese people is all about you no, know, I refuse to hate myself yeah and and that's that's tremendously important because when you are i i mean i I was fifty pounds heavier than I am now, and the doctor told me that I was obese mm-hmm. and i I don't put myself in the same category as people who are morbidly obese and have to go through life trying to figure out. What chair they're going to sit in, or how they're going to fly commercial, or how I have family members, there lots and lots of family members who deal with those issues, and so I don't put myself in the same category, but I know what it's like to hate yourself, and so I, I think there's a lot of merit in a whole movement that's that's telling people, no, you don't have to hate yourself because that's where a path toward health actually begins you 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 don't make yourself more healthy by hating your unhealthy body i think you make yourself more healthy by 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 valuing yourself enough to do the work
1: shaming somebody who's overweight it's probably going to lead to self-destructive tendencies like binge eating Mm -hmm. Uh, but if if even part of the movement is accept your body for for what it is I think some people would just continue to, to gain weight. And like one of the things I mentioned is like when Kelly Clarkson gained a lot of weight or Kirstie Alley, they gained a lot of weight, they would get on the cover of People magazine and say, you know, I'm big and I'm loving it I love my body. And then a year later, they, they would lose 70 pounds or whatever, and then they'd go back and say, yeah, I wasn't in a healthy place. Mm-hmm. I'm much happier now. Mm-hmm. And so what it does is it undermines the body positive. Because if they were really honest the first time they got the cover of people when they were overweight then they were lying the whole time. And I just think most morbidly overweight people wish they weren't overweight. I don't Mm -hmm. think that's a shocking revelation. Right. So I just think the body positive, I think most people interpret it, certainly like we don't want to shame, but I think most people interpret it as, I'm okay for the way my body is. Mm -hmm. And I think the tendency then is to continue the disordered eating, which will continue the weight gain and put them even more in that black hole of, comorbidity and disease and then early death i've I've
2: seen that in my family too where people are just completely insistent on maintaining their unhealthy lifestyle and it hurts them it hurts them physically but they're just stubborn about changing their habits and they're stubborn about no, I, I enjoy my barbecue and my beer every Sunday. And if you don't like it too bad. And if you end up having to, you know, spend all your time and resources and energy and all of your anguish taking care of me because I get so sick, I don't care. It, it, that that part of it is is painful, too. And it's painful for the people who, who love you, too. For
1: sure. I, I Like, I tell people... There isn't a disease fairy that comes when you're 16 and sprinkles a random disease on you. Most of the things that kill us, like the cardiovascular diseases and cancer, are lifestyle choices. But we don't want to look in the mirror when we're 55 and get cirrhosis from drinking too much or mm-hmm. we get diabetes or we have to have a leg chopped off because of diabetes. We want to get mad at God. We want to get mad at other people. And it takes a lot to look in the mirror and say, I did this to myself. And if I'm getting my leg chopped off or I got pancreatic cancer it's my fault yeah it's hard for people to say that like i abused my body for 30 35 years even after i lost my weight so whenever i get a sickness i'm gonna blame myself it's my fault i mean it's so easy though to blame other people mm-hmm. right? and just be angry it's like no you were a diabetic you continue to drink you continue to eat cookies and crackers you let your blood sugar be 250 milligrams over deciliters what do you think was gonna happen so you should be mad at yourself yeah it's too hard for people to accept that yeah and it's frustrating but you know we can't control other people's actions but
2: i think that was the kind of thing that was going on in my family and several several different people in my family when i was getting those results from my doctor and so i i i got she my doctor scared me but you know other people in my family scared me too and it, it just it lit a fire under me i needed to get something done now when you lost the weight
1: did you have any family members change their view of you like they got a little snippy with you or they yeah they just, told me you they, think you're too good now because you've lost the weight no. or were they, they didn't tell
2: me you think you're too good they said oh i'm so worried about you you're getting too skinny and, and i'm not too skinny <laughs> i'm just I'm and they're just more overweight telling
1: you that yeah yeah because they're jealous right
2: yeah. well i don't know i wouldn't i would i don't want to say that about them i don't think they're jealous they think I don't know. I don't know what to think.
1: They wish they were losing the weight
2: that you were losing, for sure.
1: I mean, that's that's a shame tactic that, I mean, trust me, this, it's a shame tactic that people do. It's schadenfreude. It's, it's taking misery, taking pleasure in other people's misery. So, like, if you're unhappy, then you want other people to be unhappy. Mm-hmm. But if, like, when your friend starts having success and you're not having success, and you're not kind of wired that way to wish goodwill on others, mm-hmm. you'll start getting mad at them, even though it it might be subconscious, mm-hmm. uh, you might not even know you're doing it, but like when family members make comments like that, that's what they're really saying, is that I they're mean, jealous and they're th- resenting the fact that you're having success and they're not.
2: I've caught myself in those thoughts, those Freudian Freud type thoughts too. It's just so, <laughs> It's just so unconventional in my family for someone who has started down this track of becoming obese and becoming diabetic and starting to have cardiovascular. It's just so unconventional in my family for somebody to turn it around Yeah, Um, that that they, I think they were shocked and they looked at me thinking, oh, this isn't normal. Are you sure you're okay? Are you starving yourself? Is there something... to them, it was really quick because I don't see them very often, and they're 200 miles away. So. But were they
1: congratulating you, though?
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they were. But they'd give the and little then, backhanded compliment after well, that? Well, no, then they'd kind, of, they'd kind of pull me aside, and, and they, they'd say, you know, you're too skinny. Are, are you sure that this is, are you sure that you're doing the right thing? Are you sure that you're still okay?
1: You should tell them three letters, B-M-I. <laughs> Even though I don't really agree with the B-M-I, but that's right.
2: But it's okay. I mean, I'm not I'm not scrawny. I'm just normal again. No, yeah. You're normal.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: Hmm. Okay.
1: Well, are you worried about getting the weight back?
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: See, you and I have a different history when it comes to obesity because I was always obese. And so when I lost my weight in college, that was the petrifying fear. And that's what led to a lot of disordered eating. Also, when I was a child in high school I didn't have any normal eating so all I knew was disordered eating and it's not like after you lose your weight you just wake up one day and you're like oh I've lost my weight now I know how to eat normal mm-hmm. right? now
2: I'm fixed yeah now I'm exactly I'm yeah. still exactly the yeah. same person yeah
1: and you're you're still the fat kid in the regular person's body and mm-hmm. so it takes years to kind of work through that and that's why I have confessions of an obese child that podcast to kind of work through a lot of those things oh but, my
2: but I got it sorry to interrupt you yeah. but I got all excited I got to tell you I was I was um I just finished a performance. Now I was backstage with the with the group of women that I was performing with, and I can't even remember what we were talking about. And I caught myself thinking, uh, you know, looking for the size large, looking for the size large in the tights, and looking for the size large in the dress, and looking for and I and I can't wear that anymore. I got to do you know like small now, yeah. but I'm so used to looking for you know the stuff for the big curvy women. After it must have. I don't know. Maybe it was more than 6 years that I was kind of big. Probably was. Anyway, I'm I'm so used to looking for size large, size extra large. I referred my I referred to myself as the fat girl. And then everybody in the room kind of looked at me with this shocked look on their face, and I said, "Well, wait, I was talking about myself. I can say that about myself." And it was, it was it was just the strangest experience because they kind of all stopped me and looked at me and said, "No. No, you really Can't you really shouldn't? That's really not okay.
1: It's kind of a to
2: refer to myself as the fat girl Hmm. because I in just the way you were saying you 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 still you still feel like I still feel like the fat girl inside.
1: Yeah. Well, so so the difference I was mentioning is that you like I was always overweight and then I lost the weight, so I didn't have like a normal upbringing like during my formative periods. Whereas you were normal weighted, and then you gained the weight and then you lost it. So you kind of had like a before. And then the the obesity and then then you lost it so you kind of now you're going back to to uh to normal so like the fear of gaining weight going back to that so when i lost my way i mean that that fear fueled me for like 25 years mm. yeah just the daily exercise the calorie in calorie out the, the the petrifying fear because when i was a kid i didn't think i was ever going to kiss a girl i certainly didn't think i was ever going to have sex i wasn't going to get married i had made a, a plan that i was going to kill myself probably within 10 years because i was like 280 when i was 14 uh, 280 pounds when i was 14 so i didn't see an end in sight that i was going to lose my weight and so it, it, it was different like you had a lot of these milestones like you know you you had boyfriends in high school and whatever and then you had a boyfriend and and, and now you're you're coming back but the, the, the same commonality is the fear of gaining it back yeah. now at my age i don't really care as much because I've had children and, you know, I was married and all that, but I think certainly there's more of a pressure on women to maintain that weight. So do you, I mean, do you want to talk about like your fear of gaining weight?
2: Well, yeah. Growing up, taking ballet class all the time, I was normal. My weight was normal. And I look back at pictures now and I know that my weight was normal, but back then being in the studio all the time with all of those other kids and and constantly competing and trying to be the top of the class i was always the curvy one i was always the one whose whose hips were too big or whose i don't know can i cause anyway i won't say the bad word but the you know i was always the one whose, whose butt was too big and there were, there were actual things that I couldn't execute yeah. because I was too curvy and there were aesthetics values that I couldn't meet in ballet and I was just in, in my little small-town studio but in my own mind I, I I was never gonna be able to compete with you know for example anybody who came up studying in a conservatory in New York or something and it, it wasn't that serious but in my mind I was really serious about about my studying and i knew i was never going to make it in the ballet world because people built like me don't so in my head i didn't grow up an obese child but in my head i was the fat kid because i was i curvy. was the curvy mexican in in ballet class in in ballet class i was short and fat and i didn't and fit, I couldn't make things, I couldn't change that. Okay, so, so going
1: back to to fear of gaining weight, so wh- why, why are you scared about getting the weight Cause
2: back? Because I'm still the same person, I can still live on bread and cheese mm-hmm. and be so happy, except I will be 50 pounds heavier again.
1: So, you still know you have the, the bad eating that you I could slide into, or you could stop exercising, eating
2: leaves and twigs, yeah. and I hate standing in the same place and lifting the same thing for no reason. I hate it. I hate it. So why wouldn't you want to gain the weight back? Because I don't want to be diabetic and I don't want to have high blood pressure and I don't want to have a high body fat percentage. Okay. And I want to be able to take dance class and do triple turns. It's hard. It's hard when you're so heavier. I want that, to be able to jump. So,
1: so it's mostly dance related. None no. It has to do with opposite sex.
2: It's, it's, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, it's shallow too. Like I want, I want to wear my cute clothes and I want to be looked at as, I don't know, not ugly.
1: Yeah. So you don't want to go back to being invisible or more invisible when you're overweight.
2: I would like to be invisible.
1: You would like to be invisible. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could gain 500 pounds and you'll certainly be invisible.
2: But that's not invisible. That's repulsive. That's Mm. different. I don't, I don't like getting, um, you know, the bad treatment, obviously. Hmm. But there's a weird thing about getting unwanted attention that's not comfortable. I would rather be invisible than Well, with bad. the
1: unwanted attention, though, comes the wanted attention. I mean, so, so, like, when did you break up with the boyfriend that you were talking about earlier? Was oh. that during the weight gain, after
2: the weight gain? That was um, almost at the end of the weight loss.
1: Really? hmm so it was like within the last year?
2: hmm
1: Okay. Because I, th- I think there's a certain element to weight loss where we want to look attractive uh, to the opposite sex. And like I mentioned, with sexual market value, with women, a lot of it is defined by beauty, youth, and, and being in shape. And um, I would find it hard to believe that one of the ancillary benefits of losing the weight is that you will get attention again from men. And you make it sound like all the attention from men is leering and unwarranted. But assuming that you want to be in a relationship or get married one day, there's gotta be some warranted attention that you wouldn't be getting if you were still overweight. I don't know. So that that you have to probably admit a little, concede a little, that one of the benefits of being regular weighted again now is that you will get attention from men that you weren't getting before. And even though that's shallow I mean, it's male human nature. I mean, males are gonna be attracted to women that are regular
2: weighted. I don't know, I don't get a lot of nice attention. I don't get any nice attention. I don't get any nice attention (laughs) at all. So every day you're getting catcalled and leered at? Yeah, it's weird. It really is weird. Every time I go to the gas station, there's, every woman knows this. Why are there always weird men at the gas station? It's like they there there's never a gas station without weird men. But you you get out to pump your gas and some weird guy, "Hey, baby, you really pump the gas so sexy." Or they say something <laughs> weird. Uh, you you look great in that workout clothes. It's always it's always after I get out of the gym and I realize, "Oh, or out of the dance studio or whatever it might be and i realize i'm low on gas and have to go to stupid gas station there's some weird guy at the stupid gas it never fails that's that's the kind of weird attention
1: okay but don't you think there's 400 pound women that would die to have that
2: i don't i I don't know
1: i'd probably say there would be
2: from what i understand the weird guys at the gas station do this to everybody (laughs) i don't
1: know okay
2: but i but i don't get you know the unicorn of, of, of a nice man that cool. actually comes and approaches me and, and doesn't say something awful or do something awful. I, I don't get that ever, ever, you ever, ever. Maybe
1: fill up your tank or go to a gym like in the nice parts of town. Maybe, be <laughs> maybe, maybe yeah. Maybe they'll come up to you with a British <laughs> accent and then catcall you and give you those comments. I
2: don't know. Just not say or do anything gross.
1: So, you're worried about gaining the weight, which is mm-hmm. understandable. That's, I think it's common in everyone who's lost the weight. Statistically, it's something like 90% of people who lose 50 pounds or more gain it back in three years. That's the statistic. I have before.
2: So, I've gained and lost weight over and over and over again. When did
1: that happen? You didn't mention that. Oh,
2: I didn't mention that. I, yeah. so, so I'm always, always trying all these things. I, I was in this um this salsa group for a while. And I had this issue. <laughs> I'm tall for a Mexican. It's all these Latinas in that group and all these Latino men. A bunch of them are... I'm sorry, Latino men. A bunch of them were so short. <clears throat> so it was already hard finding somebody, I don't know, to perform with or somebody to lead me. A lot, of, a lot of Latino men are very, very good leads, it's fine. But every single time there was a lift involved, every single time I would get dropped. Like somebody would drop me on the floor. Yeah. There, was, there was a point where there was a lift where I had to kind of like support my own weight a little bit by putting my hands behind my, my center of mass. And so when he dropped me, I didn't get my hands out in front of me quick enough to break the fall. And I fell literally on my face, my face between my nose and my front teeth hit the floor and my teeth didn't break and my nose didn't break and it was a small miracle.
1: Well then you need to go to dance classes or places where there's taller men, German men or like my family's from Jalisco, that yeah. that part of Mexico tends to have more Spanish blood, and we're taller. Yeah, yeah. but either way. I mean,
2: I I just I just didn't f- fit in. You know, it was a bunch of it was a bunch of you know really gorgeous, really trim women, and I thought because I could keep up with the dancing, because I could keep with up with the technique that that it would be fun and that I would be fine, but I was getting dropped all the time, so. There was, a, you know, there was somebody there selling, you know, these health products, and I spent I don't know how many hundreds of dollars on it. And um, he had put me on this plan and sent me to exercise and given me a diet. And I had gotten down to maybe like one hundred and sixty, which was kind of an accomplishment for me. But I still got dropped every single time. Somebody had to lift me every single time they that's dropped kind me. Kind
1: of a reminder that you're overweight. Yeah. You know? yeah. So going back to the statistics so I, I i think one of the tips is you know you have to not and everybody's different but like changing your paradigm like you hate working out
2: mm-hmm.
1: i probably work out every day if, i mean that's just one of those things because it's like the novel flowers for algernon which was like a, a 70s novel it's about a kid who was like special ed of mm-hmm. course, we wouldn't have used that term back then and then some he gets some experimental drug where his intelligence increases, and then he becomes a genius. Mm-hmm. So he's getting all this attention from the literati. He writes a book. Women are loving him. And then he notices how the drug's no longer working, and he's going back to his uh, former self. And so the the, the rest remember. of the book's about like what it's like for him to go through that. So it's kind of like with you. You've lost your weight. You don't want to gain it back. And so to beat the statistic, it's really like a paradigm shift. So mm-hmm. one of them is probably going to have to just be – being somewhat obsessive about working out because it's, if you're um, working out a lot then you can you have a little more leeway on the diet part
2: there's um i always get confused between the word sadist and masochistic masochistic so Sadist
1: is when you derive pleasure by giving pain to someone. And
2: so that yeah dancers so are where, masochistic
1: you're masochistic so how, so how are you masochistic
2: because you you put yourself through ridiculous amounts of pain in your legs and your feet and your joints and your back and your mm-hmm. um and you you get to the point, not all dancers are like this, but lots and lots and lots of dancers are. But you, you get to the point where you enjoy the pain and the, it's almost a point of pride. Or it's a way of taking your taking your mind off of mental anguish. Yeah. So then you put your feet through, I mean you, you just go and go and go and go and go until you're bleeding through the silk on your shoes and your feet and it, it's gross. <laughs> but um, But lately, I turn going into the gym, into that mentality. And I don't know if it's better or worse. Whatever it takes to
1: get you to go every day. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially uh, what it is. And I would try probably doing intermittent fasting because fasting is a great backup uh, to like the regular diet and exercise that you yeah. do. And just the, the physiology behind it uh, would, would probably work well. I mean, have you ever had a time or day where you would not eat until noon or 1? Yeah and just eat all your calories within seven yeah. hours
2: i mean not as a matter of discipline but She's but as a matter of i didn't get up early enough to prepare breakfast and so i had to wait until i got off for lunch but yeah it's, that's it's not it's not atypical good
1: so i mean maybe maybe think about doing that i mean it's, it's pretty in the zeitgeist right now like i haven't eaten breakfast since 2014
2: oh wow and I, thought reason- that, I always thought, thought that was a horrible thing. I no, thought you were yeah, supposed to.
1: Well, again, everybody's a little different, but the science is showing that fasting is very beneficial. And we really don't have time to cover all of it, but there's like the evolutionary reasons. I do it because of the cognition. So when I'm fasting, like from, from waking up to whenever I eat like around 1.30 or 2, my mind is just on fire. I'm like Bradley Cooper from the old movie Limitless where he takes that experimental drug and then he starts speaking Mandarin. Yeah. Just my body works. My Flowers mind better uh fasting and it's just like that high i never want to lose and as soon as you eat you know, you're dealing with the energy crashes and spikes and all that and so the longer i can go each day fasting i just feel so much better plus my workouts are better when i'm fasting it's just oh, no. i'm never gonna go back to ever eating breakfast again ever. i
2: can't i can't work out on an empty stomach because well, you're I not got fasted
1: adapted though. Once you became no. fasted adapted, your your best work—that's what actually you'd probably be one of
2: your. I can't handle it. I I I'm, I'm, I go to flamenco class on an empty stomach by mistake sometimes, and it makes me puke.
1: It's bad. <laughs> well, just think about it in the future. Is yeah. there something that you want to mention here at the end, in terms of where you see yourself going, worries, concerns? I mean, you you should definitely congratulate yourself because there's a lot of people. Who, I mean, um, obesity is such an epidemic in America yeah. and where we live here in South Texas, even more so. So, if you forget to congratulate yourself, make sure you do it because it is an k- amazing accomplishment, weight loss. It's
2: a funny feeling congratulating your own self. But I get a lot of congratulations from other people. I mean, you That's keep true. asking me about attention, and, yeah. and I, I do admit I have gotten that from a lot of people. Congratulations. Do you get, do you get all like, the, like the
1: passive aggressive congratulations from other women who are overweight? They're like, oh, yeah. Terry. Really, I hate you. <laughs> they will literally
2: say, "I hate you." How did
1: you do it?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So you know, again, there's there's people who your your <laughs> success is a yeah. reminder of their failure.
2: Of course, they don't mean they literally hate me. I, I get it because I've I've said that to other women but they before. They would take
1: pleasure in you regaining your weight. Oh no. You don't want to think that about human nature. No. I can say it for you. They probably would take pleasure in you gaining your weight.
2: I mean, they feel. I've felt it myself. You, you you feel bad about yourself because you weren't the one who was able to achieve it. You yeah, see someone it, else doing it, and then it makes you think about yourself, like, oh, why couldn't that be me?
1: For sure. I think the, So the equivalent of sexual market value for men is, is making money. So, uh, for example, if you're in an occupation where you don't make a lot of money, and then you're with somebody, and then they break up with you to be with a, an accountant, lawyer, or doctor, that's kind of the equivalent in terms of, of men. So uh, for sure, like when you see a woman that you like or a woman that you have a crush on or used to be with move on with a man who makes more money, it's kind of a reminder of your own failures as a man Mm because our our success is defined by by money and what we bring to the table. So I think that that is kind of the equivalent because men don't understand the pressure that women have in terms of maintaining their looks and so forth because you can see a lot of uglier overweight men with beautiful women Mm -hmm. if they make money.
2: Yeah, no man shows up to work every day with makeup. Yeah. Exactly. nobody yeah. they can have bags under their eyes as, nobody long, as, we, cares. as long
1: as we make money then we, then we are seen in high regard and high status mm-hmm. but if you're an unattractive woman or overweight women or a poor guy then we are the invisible people mm. so I mean that's just the way of the world alright so let's just do some rapid fire get to know you questions now that you're leaving <laughs> so if you could live in any country in the world where money was not an object where would you move to Assuming your family would all come and you wouldn't miss your family
2: and friends. But it's not another country. I would go to Hawaii. (laughs) Go to Hawaii? Yeah. You like Hawaii? Yeah. See,
1: Hawaii would be a problem for me because the seasons never change. I need to be at a place that has seasons. I'm good. I can't be at Christmas in Hawaii where it's 86.
2: No, I'm good. I I would say Merry Christmas and then go to the beach. Okay. That'd be good.
1: (laughs) I'd probably pick Italy because, I mean, the the food's amazing and the people are beautiful there. The women are gorgeous there. It's just, it's a great country, great history what's your favorite high school band or singer
2: as in when I was in high school
1: or yeah if you listen to them now or back then who did you have like a big who did you have a big crush on when you were in high school in terms of like pop stars
2: oh my god I can't even think of Backstreet Boys hell no 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 I'm older than that
1: new edition new kids on the block
2: who did I used to like I don't know I, I was always studying. <laughs> I don't remember liking a big pop star. You didn't star. have posters of somebody no. on there? No. Mm-hmm. See, I loved
1: Debbie Gibson, who was like a, a bubblegum teen pop star back in the late 80s.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: had a big crush on her. I was part of her fan club.
2: See I like I liked Shakira and her weird writing. She she wasn't always like she is now, with blonde hair and, nice. and I don't know, catering to all the gringos. Like, she was... Stoichi- she she key. was i remember her yeah that was her first hit. i remember that yeah she she would do this, this i don't know it was just kind of weird the stuff that she would write and the stuff that she would do and i'd like that she was a little bit weird
1: i think she's funny because she should just stick to singing in spanish because her english yeah. songs i don't understand what she's saying when she's in english hey. i have no idea maybe the refrain but her verses i'm like translate
2: uh, i mean I'm, I'm glad for her that she was able to cross over because there's just a lot more money involved yeah, but no, she, it, but i to- i enjoy her music more in in spanish
1: And she's married to Gerard Piquet, the Barcelona star. Must be
2: nice. Yeah, right?
1: Chet setting. Okay, last question. Um, What's your favorite food?
2: Bread and cheese. Bread and cheese. A certain bread a certain cheese? Mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. That's the ultimate food. That's the ultimate. Like, it just makes me happy thinking about it.
1: (laughs) Okay. Mine's probably dark chocolate. I love dark chocolate. But like a sinful pleasure? I like peanut butter cups to those forever well terry thank you for joining us we appreciate your honesty and your vulnerability
2: thanks for having me yeah,
1: you're welcome All right that was Terry. Uh, she was great. it was It was great to have a refreshing conversation about weight loss and weight management, and she was very authentic and very vulnerable about her fears. And hopefully you got something out of that interview. Guys, if you want to support what we do here and the content that we provide, please consider doing so. The website is naturopathic Earth, that's all one word, naturopathic Earth. If you're interested in any gluten-free, Dairy-free recipes. We have about 200 there on the site, and you're more than welcome to download any of those. Most of them are desserts and snacks, so there's not really a lot of entrees there. But go check out the, the website. We have over 500 articles there. Please donate money through our Patreon and PayPal Me accounts. Just click on the, the episode notes and click on the links there, and I'll take you to those sites. And please be generous. Buy Confessions of an Obese Child, my ebook. You can find it on Amazon Kindle or Barnes & Noble Nook. It's only $2.99. And if you need some one-on-one coaching for weight loss tips or weight management tips, or if you want me to go through your pantry, some clean eating toxin tips, click on the clarity fm link on the episode notes and for $1.50 a dollar fifteen minute we can talk on the phone or skype and i can help you out that way Also, going back to the food recipes if you go to those recipe articles you'll notice there's an amazon picture of an ingredient for that particular recipe if you click on that to get to amazon anything that you buy on amazon not just that ingredient but you don't even have to buy that ingredient but anything that you buy on amazon within 24 hours by going through our link we get a 2% commission at no expense to you. As you know, we have three podcasts in the MPE family. We have Holistic Health News, which is our flagship, Confessions of an obese Child, which deals with disordered eating and childhood trauma, and the Essential Oils and Herbal Apothecary, which deals with aromatherapy. Please go check them out, subscribe to all three, and post an honest review. It would really help us out with our rankings on Apple. Until next time, take care. God bless. Bye bye.
0: Thank you for listening to NPE Radio and Holistic Health News. Visit our website at naturopathicearth.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Holistic News Now and at our Facebook page at Naturopathic Earth. Please consider a donation at patreon.com slash earth. Buy the confessions of an obese child ebook on Amazon or Barnes & Noble Nook. Consider subscribing to our podcast. And as always, please post an honest review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this. And remember the core belief at NPE let food be thy medicine, let nature be thy healer. Until next time, music courtesy of Nine Inch Nails.